I have the honor today to introduce John Conti, who many of you know, but if you don't know, uh, John is a retired lieutenant colonel, which is an honor for me uh, to introduce John. John and I, most people don't know this, but we served together back in the Kentucky Army National Guard uh, like five years ago. No, a long time ago. (laughs) When he's always been younger than me. Uh, A while ago, a while ago. And uh, it's just an honor to introduce him today on Father's Day and just know that he is going to bring uh, just a great message to us, God's word to us. And uh, I'm just going to pray a blessing over him as he speaks and let him get started. Lord, I just pray for John today as he speaks. Lord, just use him for your kingdom. Every word that comes out of his mouth, everything you've prepared in his heart, his notes, the scriptures, Lord, may they just be exactly what you would have for today. Just bless him and thank you for his heart for you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate you, Fred. Uh, Thanks so much for the intro. You know, um, happy Father's Day, everybody. And uh, it was brought to my attention that uh, there's a kind of a difference between mothers and fathers. And No one knows this better than the kids, right? So recently we came across a list of questions that kids have for their mothers, okay? And then also for their fathers. But the list of questions for their mothers was like, Mom, when's supper? Mom, we're almost out of toothpaste. Can you get it? Mom, where's my my dress? Mom, where's my shoes? Mom... Uh, when are we going to eat again? Mom, Mom, I'm on over and over again. But the question for Dad ends up really being, Dad, where's Mom? <laughs> Big difference, and you know that's true. You just know that's true. All right. You know, today we, we honor fathers, especially for the love, the support, the provision the guidance and the sacrifices they made for their families. I'm especially blessed to have had one of those kinds of dads, one of those kinds of fathers, John Conti Sr. Someone who would listen to me, uh, help guide me, and all that. In addition, uh, I've had a lot of father figures in my life, my my uncles, uh, neighbor men, um, who took an interest in my growing up. My spiritual fathers, such as uh, my youth leader, Vic Richardson, I hope he gets a chance to hear this, uh, assisted me in my spiritual upbringing. Uh, Other spiritual fathers here, like men in the church, like Vernon and Ed and Buddy. Uh, Along the line, there were coaches for, for sports teams and also officers and Sergeants who looked out for my professional development and well-being, all as father figures, all wanting to help guide me uh, along and help me to become the best me that I could be. Uh, But I realized, however, not everyone had that type of father. And so this day, Father's Day, may not bring feelings of fondness, but maybe rather bitterness or sadness. Uh, To some, your father may have been abusive, uncaring, and perhaps maybe not even part of your family at all. The family dynamics 
were there were probably not compassionate and warm, but rather poisonous and dark. Perhaps as a result of this type of a father, the image of a caring, loving, personal father God may be especially difficult to grasp. Well, I hope that today the Holy Spirit of God will help you in the path of healing for those hurts and for an intimate experience with God the Father, a personal and caring Father, specifically for you today, especially for you today. And I also hope that all of us uh, will be blessed in the coming days by the hearing of the voice of God, specifically for us, for you. Recently, the men of this church with whom I associate with, the deacons and elders uh, in our board meetings, um, there's a group of men that are meeting in a servant leadership um, group of sessions. But recently, they all seem to desire, several of them individually expressed the desire to want to hear from God better. That was their desire. They want to be able to hear from God. Just, not just cursory, they, they want to be able to get that intimate, specific, this is where you go, this is where I, what I want you to do type of uh, communication. Now, I know that over the years, I've talked with many of you in this room, uh, one capacity or another, and that's something that comes out of your mouth. I feel like I'm in a desert. I pray, I want to hear from God. I'm not hearing from God. He just seems so distant to me. I, I just wish I knew his will for my life. Well, I, I thought this perhaps was a catchy title for today's, uh, for today's message. It says, uh, kids, listen to your father. I mean, I heard that a lot growing up, okay? I did hear that a lot. Uh, but us, kids, us, the children of God, the children um, uh, that belong to the Lord, to our Father, God. Now, here, the, the Bible hero, if we step back up again for a second here, it's probably Joshua, okay? And he gets a direct spoken message from God, probably about some up, uh, the upcoming battle. I don't have this as a, uh, as a slide, but I thought how cool this would be to hear God say this. Okay? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from all the great river and Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. How would you like to hear that? And he goes on to encourage him, be strong and courageous. And he says that like three times. Be strong and courageous. 
That's what I'd like to be able to hear. That would just be great. Now, I'm not sure that many people get that clear, audible confirmation from God all the time. I, I know like Moses and Joshua and Jesus and Buddy and Regina, but I'm not sure a lot of other people get that kind of audible, personal uh, correction from God. But as a group, there are many ways that God the Father does communicate with us, either as a group or individually, and that's some of the things I want to discuss with us this morning. I think one of the most important aspects needed in a father-to-child relationship is communication, listening and hearing. Talking, discussing, and uh, asking, communicating heart-to-heart, and understanding. I mentioned my dad kind of have a heritage of humor in my family. My, uh, My dad was that compassionate dad, and he would listen and talk with us, and I still remember seeing my sister up on his lap, and she would express some concern about being a young lady growing up, and he would talk and listen. And he would like to give uh, little gems of wisdom to us for our benefit, but he would do it in such a funny way sometimes. Now, we grew up on a dairy farm, and one of the tasks is to clean out the barn of the manure, like every day, okay? And it's it's a soupy mess, and we scrape it up or... uh, put it into the um, manure spreader. It's a big cylinder that hooks to the tractor and it shoots it out the side, not the back. The old-fashioned ones shoot it out the back. It shoots it out the side, and it's kind of a soupy mess. And we spread it into the fields to add uh, fertilizer, to add nutrients to the field. We had to get rid of it somewhere, and that was a win-win. So somewhere along the line, he gave me advice as, I know, probably about a 14-year-old, because I would you know, work on the farm, uh, driving the tractor. He said, son, spreading manure, like in life, make sure the wind is to your face. <laughs> but if it isn't, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> well, sure enough, now when we, when we do this, task, okay, when we do this task, you've got to go up one side and come down another. I'm half paying attention, so I'm going ahead and spreading the honey as we go as, uh, up one side. And it was a breezy day. I wasn't half paying attention. And, of course, I turned the corner and come back, and I'm spattered. I, of course, I look back because I checked the path where I'm at, and I get spattered. Yeah. So I come back. Dad looks. Sees me all spattered. I don't know if he said it or not, but his face said it. He's, you know, I told you so. I told you so. And me, being a good dutiful son, I probably said something to the effect, shut up. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you know, things are generational. My son just recently, he works with us uh, cleaning the houses and the offices. And one office we clean is a chiropractor practice office, and I had recently vacuumed up some little cables in the, va- in the 
office, in the, uh, in the chiropractor office. They have the muscle stim machines and the little uh, cables they put down through the beds. And anyway, they're on the floor uh, when we come in. So I learned the hard way, pick up those cables. And when you go to vacuum, so the vacuum doesn't pick it up. So I pass that on to Nicholas, to my son. I says, Nicholas, when you go to vacuum this room, make sure you pick up all the cables, put them on the table so you don't vacuum them up. Dad, I'm not, I've never done that before. It's, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, he was discounting my wise, sage, experiential advice, right? Sure as shooting, not minutes later, he comes in with a vacuum and the cord's all wound up in the, in the thing. And so I'm thinking he's going to come say something to the effect, Father, you were right. <laughs> Forgive me. You are worthy. You know all. You see all. No, no, he gave me that look like, shut up. <laughs> so, you know, so we try to communicate. And just like me as a kid, just like my son, and can we be honest, probably like all of us at one time or another, we just didn't listen to our father. Part of the relationship of a good father is to help his son or daughter to mature to their full potential. I'm enjoying listening to Dutch Sheets, give him 15. I don't know if you... Some of you may listen to him. Uh, Great opportunity in the morning to listen for about 15 minutes. Just some great guidance. But this week, on his Dutch's Give Him 15 post, he talked about a dream that that included the images of beings that were part lamb and part lion. It was like the bodies were lamb, the head starting to develop into a lion. They weren't fully developed. These beings started out as lambs, requiring the careful care of the shepherd. They required nurturing and tending and guiding like young children. The idea expressed in the dream is that younger Christians start out like lambs. But then as they mature, they should turn into the lions for the Lord developing into the calling that God has for us all. As lions, more was required of them for the benefit of the kingdom. However, their development was stunted in this dream. Their development was stunted, and the beans were dying. These lamb lions were dying. Upon closer inspection, in the dream, they discovered that the sick and dying Creatures were infected by ticks around the neck, around the transition where they go from lion to lamb. Dutch said that it uh, may have been a play on the word politics, being that folks have been so concerned. And he likened it to the uh, the elections where so many folks had heard words, sure words, uh, about the outcomes of the elections and come disappointed. So that's where this little transition comes from. But that the uh, discouragement and disillusionment had stifled the development of the Christian beings to the point of death. They, in the dream, and perhaps we, 
needs strengthened communication to hear what the Father is saying at this time. Okay? I think he wants us, uh, there's that point where he wants us to progress and develop and listen and hear his words and what his will is for our lives. Now, while we were at it, there may be some of you here today or who are watching online who are very new to Christianity. I know that it wasn't long ago there was a, a visitor here, and uh, at the end of the sermon, Stephen asked uh, those who brought him, well, what did they think of the service? So we had a lot of questions, simple questions, like, well, what's the gospel? So I don't want to assume that we know you know, everybody knows the answer. So I want to encourage you here right now for a few minutes. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, perhaps you're new, again, if not a new Christian, perhaps maybe you accepted Jesus into your heart a long time ago, but have come to the conclusion, it's a bunch of hogwash. Okay? And now you don't follow him. Perhaps you are getting disillusioned and feel like uh, these years of trusting without any basis. You don't feel like there's any real evidence to all that's happening to, in this world. And perhaps that dying lion, that lamb lion is you. Right? Is your faith in God, your belief in Jesus, just a blind faith with no basis? Do you believe only because your family or friends believe? Is Jesus to you like that pretend invisible friend that a lot of kids have. Okay? Is that what Jesus is like to you? I remember an old movie uh, with Jimmy Stewart called Harvey, and it was about a six-foot-tall invisible rabbit. Through the whole movie, nobody sees him, but the Jimmy Stewart character befriends him and uh, like that. But is that how you see Jesus? Just that, you know, my pretend friend? Well, let's give you some evidence to consider, to encourage you in your faith. Okay? First, there's historical evidence. Okay? Some argue that the existence of Jesus cannot be proven scientifically. Well, that's true. Okay? Just as George Washington cannot be proven scientifically, just as the Civil War cannot be proven scientifically, Jesus and George Washington, the American Civil War, uh, are proven historically. Okay? Uh, and the history and eyewitness accounts of Jesus, both in the Bible and from non-biblical historians, is overwhelming to the existence, the teachings, the miracles, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So you've got that historical evidence to lift you up. It's there, okay? Second, evidence for, uh, for your belief, for your faith. Survival of persecution, okay? Think about it. The Bible and Christianity and Judaism, for that matter, uh, have survived thousands of years in the most intense level of persecution in the attempt to eliminate our faith in God. If our faith was based on lies or on a series of creative writers of the Bible over thousands of years. And if the faith of believers was threatened with termination, how could it have possibly survived? Who would have 
who would be convinced enough to give up their lives for false beliefs? How could belief survive? So another evidence for your belief, for your faith, is just the survival, the history of persecution that still goes on today. Third, prophecy. Okay? The whole Bible points to the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus as God's plan for salvation. Through hundreds of prophecies given by Moses and the prophets, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection miraculously fulfilled 333 of these prophecies just in his birth alone. 333. That's statistically overwhelming. That's statistically overwhelming. So prophecy is another good basis of, for your evidence for faith. A fourth one, evidence in creation. Come on, man. Evolution, really? <laughs> Consider the balance in the universe. How the stars and suns provide perfect gravitational pull to keep planets and moons on rotational paths. How our earth can sustain a balance of life. How it sustains water, air, gravity. How wonderful life itself is. From trees and flowers and animals and birds and reptiles and on and on. I just get so overwhelmed with the complexity of the creation. Just in my own yard, uh, watching the birds, the differences. Even amongst the birds, there's different personalities. Yet God made them where they can see, where they can feed, where they can uh, nurture, where they uh, uh, you know, uh, procreate, all in all. Now, scientists make diagrams and explain uh, how everything works, and that's fine, that's great. And to me, those charts and diagrams and all that explanation is great, huge evidence of a creative God. I recently saw a chart at the eye doctor. I got new prescription not too long ago. Uh, a chart of the, of the eye. Very intricate. I mean, it had the, the nerves and the uh, lens and the, how th- this all works. And everybody's got this, uh, if, to one extent or another, all the parts of the eye connected to the brain to communicate, they say, colors and shapes and distances and movement. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. And so is all a creation. You know? Another evidence, fifth one, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit. All through time, God has shown himself powerful. He has shown himself powerful. In biblical times, God led men out of slavery and bondage. He parted the Red Sea. He won battles through faithful men by unorthodox ways in order that men couldn't take the credit such as marching around the city of Jericho for seven days and having the walls crash down with Joshua, such as routing armies of thousands with just a few men with trumpets and lanterns like Gideon. God provided the Holy Spirit at Pentecost for those who believe, power to prophesy, to heal, and to encourage, and to provide boldness and to share the gospel of Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, documented revivals come. I just heard of another one, uh, again, I think this was through Give 'em 15, uh, of a revival that occurred in 
1858, which is just a, a couple of years before the start of the American Civil War. And it started with a, uh, a white pastor in Charleston, South Carolina. And he had a small congregation, uh, some white folks, but several of his small congregation were uh, African-American slaves. But they, as a group, had a heart for the lost. They had a heart for the lost. And this little group prayed for months and months with a heart to save those lost, especially for the, those enslaved, especially for the slaves. Well, it came to a point God heard their prayers and released the, the electricity, released the Holy Spirit. And revival started in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, eventually, within days and weeks, that small congregation of 40-something grew to several hundred, eventually several thousand. Folks from New York City came down, business folks came down from New York City and Pittsburgh and caught the fire, and they became part of this revival as well. Documented, there are over a million folks gave their lives to the Lord as a result of this little start of revival. So the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, evidence for your faith. These revivals are documented, not just in, in Bibles, not in just religious readings, but in the news media of the day, okay? in books and media. So uh, check up on those. That's uh, something to help increase... You know, Increase your faith as well. And we ask for the next revival. We ask for the next great awakening. And we will continue to pray for that. So, six, our testimony. And testimonies in general. Not only during these revivals, but in this room. In this room are countless testimonies of how God turned a person away from addiction. Turned people away from crime and hates. Uh, away from destruction, and towards a total change of heart, towards a healing. Your testimony. Okay? And now, that rotten heart is now a heart turned to Christ. In this room and online, I'm sure there are testimonies of miracles, healings, answered prayer, and protection from harm. Right? The words of your testimony is powerful and not to be discounted. And it points to the love of God and it points to your belief and your faith. The last one I want to share as evidence for your faith is there's love and caring. But not just in our group. Christians have a love and caring for people outside our group. Okay? We know a lot of groups. There's a lot of groups you have that caring, compassion, you want your group, your team, your uh, whatever group you're associated with, and that's your, where you fellowship, whatever. But Christians, we look to focus. It's easy to be part of that group, that, the group that just care for ourselves. But to follow the example of Jesus is to pray for our enemies, to minister to the poor, to go and make disciples of all, if possible. Those are things to incre and encourage your faith. No extra charge, part of the sermon. Got it. All right. So God wants to communicate with you, and he's trying to communicate with you. 
And here's some actions and scriptures to help us kids, okay, listen to our Father. All right? First and foremost, pray. Seems simple, seems logical, but pray and listen. Pray and listen. Devote the time. Take the time. Scripture I have up there uh, in Deuteronomy 4, 7 through 8. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way our Lord, our God, is near us when we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? So Moses was telling the Israelites, your God, our God, is different from all other gods. Okay? He, he wants you. He listens. He hears you. He is near to us whenever we pray to him. God speaks to us through prayer. Of course he listens to us. Of course he listens to us. How could he avoid it? Right? We pray and we talk and we ask and we petition and we beg and we vow and we pledge and we rinse and repeat and repeat and repeat. Then we thank him, and we praise him, and we adore him, and we ask him some stuff, and we exalt him, and we plead, and we go on and on and beg and cry and vow again until we're tired, and then we stop. We've done all the talking. Now, that's not everybody. I know we've been in some prayer groups that just listening, just waiting for the Father to download on us what he wants. But sometimes we, all us, sometimes we get into that, just a one-way conversation. How would we like that? Nah, we wouldn't like that, right? Engage, talk, listen, talk, listen, okay? Invest the time, invest the time. So God will speak to us as we pray and listen for him to answer, wait for him to answer. Next God will talk to us in the scriptures. So read the scriptures. Okay? Verse I have for that, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The testimony of many of you in this room will confirm that they knew that the Father communicated with them directly to them as they spent time in the Scriptures. What a smart God, you know? He knows, knows what you need already in the Scripture. He directs you to that Scripture. Uh, just, just wonderful that he could do that for us. How would he know that that Scripture addressed my need that day? But we need to be in the scriptures. Another way is listening for that still small voice of God. Still small voice. And the scripture I have here is Revelation 3, uh, 19 through 20. Those 
whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I like going back to some of the sermons that have been uh, from this pulpit here. I, I've got subscribed to the YouTube, and you can also get them through our website, the Living Waters website. But about two years ago, Sean Ellis, Sean Ellis preached here at Living Waters concerning hearing the still, small voice of God. God very quietly changed Sean's direction in ministry from what made, to him, logical sense in the form of promotion, an increased audience, uh, bigger status. But God spoke to him very softly and gently and had him go to a more humble, smaller ministry position. And it's fun to hear Sean talk how he debated with God a little bit. This can't be. I'm heading this way. But God says, take the little church. Take the little church. Okay? In redirecting him, it took him a while and a series of events for Sean to realize God was redirecting his path for the Father's purpose. Our life group put this to the test uh, a couple of years ago as well. Uh, some of you were part of it, and some of you may have heard of the, the, our little $20 challenge. And the whole idea w- wasn't so much about the $20. God provided that. The, you know, God provided the sacrifice, right? Put it in our hands. Every uh, person, adult, child was given $20. And the intent was to listen to God, where do you want me to, to bless somebody with this? How would you have me bless somebody? And through a variety of things, folks were now in tune. They, they wanted to listen, to hear how God was directing them. Go left, go right, go here, see that person. Right? Uh, one of my favorite stories that, that came out of this was Donnie Carpenter. I um, said, God spoke to me. He talked to me. He told me where to go. He was wondering what to do with this $20, and uh, God directed him to the Waffle House. Now, I know Donnie, he likes to go to the Waffle House anyway, right? <laughs> but this time he went to the Waffle House for a to-go Diet Coke. He could have got it cheaper across the street, I'm telling you. But God told him to go to the Waffle House, particular one, And there he met a particular waitress. They struck up a conversation, and he knew. Donnie knew. That's where this gift needed to go, where God wanted him to do it. He listened. He heard that still, small voice. And we have many stories like that. Sylvia, you should write these down. We'll we'll get them. Another way that uh, we hear uh, the voice of God, that we need to listen to God, it's through others, okay? Through others. In Hebrews 3, 12 through 15, Hebrews 3, 12 through 15, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, 
as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Now, the body of, the body of Christ is so important. The body of Christ is so important for you listening to God. We are designed by the Father. We are designed by God to worship and gather together, to encourage one another, to hear from those who, to whom God gave revelatory gifts, revelation-type gifts. Gathering together, such as here in the sanctuary, uh, allows children of God, kids, us kids, his kids, to exercise their gifts for the benefit of the kingdom, for your edification and for your betterments. How important it is to gather together. Do not despise that. Okay. Another way that God te- talks to us through teachings, preaching and teachings. And in Romans 10, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. God the Father speaks through those who he is called to build up, to direct, to correct, to educate, and help the lambs to overcome challenges and to become leaders or lions in his kingdom. The last one I've got is in dreams, visions, and words of knowledge. And of course, my scripture is Joel 2, 28. Many of you know this, I think, but... I'd like to read in, in Joel 2.28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. We are in those days. We are in those days. God has given these gifts to us so we can help listen to what he has to say to us. So be aware that God is communicating with you. Okay. Uh, this is one we've read a lot this, uh, this election year. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is not stingy in his love for you. I want to tell, just to finish up with a, Story, uh, story of a cruel government. And this is a true story from the Bible. The Jews were in bondage to a cruel and powerful government. They were forced to follow laws that were contrary to their beliefs. They had to show honor to the emperor, who didn't care for their religious liberties or ceremonies. This government saw the Jews as an occupied entity, good only for their taxes and their labor. It wasn't always like this. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Aren't we God's chosen people is what you'd hear. 
is what you would hear from the, the Jews. Why has God deserted us? The oppressed people of Israel were waiting for someone to deliver them from evil, from the evil, godless, oppressive government, to change things up, to rescue them, to save them. Their understanding of the scriptures foretold of the Messiah, a warrior king who would establish his kingdom on the earth. Then that someone came, able to do amazing things with authoritative teachings and preachings, miraculous things, healing the sick, raising people from the dead. Some believed he was the promised Messiah of prophecy, but why hasn't he declared war on the Roman Empire? What is he waiting for? Okay. He has demonstrated great, war, great wonders, but when is he going to overthrow that government? The people hoped he would drive this out and replace the evil government with his kingdom and then their lives would be better. There was a scene from The Chosen. If you haven't had a chance to see that, oh my goodness, you'll be blessed. Get a chance to watch that television series, The Chosen. See me afterwards if you want to figure out how to get into it. There was a scene from The Chosen recently where Jesus walked by people being crucified. Apparently, according to a life coach book that we're reading as a group, um, that was not an uncommon practice. Every Friday before the Sabbath, there would be executions up and down the road where Jesus had to walk. And he had a chance to see this. Now, Jesus, the Messiah, certainly could have called in the legions of angel armies. Surely he could have stopped that. Surely it would have been good to overthrow that government. Surely it would have been good to stop those crucifixions. Why didn't he? He certainly could have called upon these angels and, and just overthrown the government. He could have led glorious battles like King David or like Joshua. That would have been good. Why didn't he? He could have established his kingdom on the earth. That would have been good. That would have been good. Why didn't he? Why didn't he? Because he listened to his father. He listened to his father. God didn't want good. He wanted the best for the world. Overthrowing the government wasn't God's first priority. You were God's first priority. You were God's first priority. Jesus brought in a gospel of peace. He wanted you to learn, and he wanted you to... Uh, it, it, it ends up being personal. It ends up being personal. God wants you with him in glory forever. Now, does God want us to speak against evil? What does he want you to do specifically? Does he want us to be persecuted? Jesus, uh, Stephen preached not long ago on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted. Does he want us to be persecuted? Does he want us to take action against persecution? 
We know that he'll be with us through persecution. Okay? What does God want us to do? Go now? Do it now? Or wait? Ask him. Ask him. Through these things that we talked about. 333 fulfilled prophecies concerning his first ministry. His birth, his miracles, his death and resurrection as a sacrificial lamb. There's even more prophecies, some being fulfilled, pointing to his return as a lion, as a warrior to establish his kingdom. So remember, pray and listen. Read the scriptures. Stay in fellowship with one another. Listen to preachings and teachings. Pray and listen to your Father. He has plans for you. He has plans for you. Lord, I would pray and ask that your coming revival would be soon. We pray that we would be a part of this, Lord. We ask that we would listen and hear your voice as a group, as a church, as living waters. But individually, for each one of us, what is our part? Thank you, Lord God. We ask that you would bring this, uh, bring this soon. Come soon, Lord Jesus. We look forward to your triumphant return. If the um, altar ministry teams would come forward, uh, there's also a phone number for those of you watching online. If you'd like to call for the next 30 minutes this Sunday early morning afternoon uh, to call. But if you have prayer for anything, especially if you want to have prayer for increasing your faith, you want to hear from God. You've been in that desert. You've been in that wilderness. You want to know God's will for your life. Let somebody pray for you. That's why we're here gathered together.
I pray a blessing upon uh, this congregation, each person here. Father, we thank you for the fathers. Uh, we thank you for those that are spiritual fathers in this body as well. We ask that you would uh, bless our day, grant us safety, love. We look forward to your second coming. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to continue to worship. Uh, be released. Safety as you go home. Altar is open. Altar ministry teams are available. Please come.